Greetings, friend. Do not turn that dial, or you will die within the hour. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But if you abandon our broadcast now, you will miss out on an incredible tale. The likes of which I'm certain you've never heard before. Brace yourself, friend, for tonight's chilling tale is one of horror. And look at the time. It's almost the witching hour, but chilling tales can always be told here. For regardless of what the clock may say, around here it is always time to die. <laughs> yes, friends, tonight's tale is brought to you by the Time to Die Radio Network. Tonight's players are Tim Demuse as the Game Master. It's a, it's a hell of a day. You'd guess that it's definitely a little bit below zero and the wind is biting. Chris Riley as Elliot Halloway. I've come to try to bring my life back together, uh, so to speak. Aubrey Gray as Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. You should know that Edgar is interfering with the research of an academic. Eric Pat as Dart Vandermeek. Maybe that's how the Ruskies beat them, uh, beat them Germans on the Eastern Front way back when, eh? And Brian Bridges as Ronnie Pinkerton. I was just talking about the girls that got allegedly murdered, but I was thinking maybe they got mauled by a bear, even though there were shotguns involved. Our story opens on a snowy midwinter in 1950s Wisconsin at the seemingly innocent Four Seasons Hotel and Lounge. Time to Die proudly presents The Devil. We can go ahead and uh, open up with uh, the Palm Lounge, which is a uh, very nice bar um, with a bunch of tables sort of um, gathered so that they can all be facing towards this, uh, like, not really a stage so much as it's like a dais, um, but there's instruments up there. It's raised. It's, a, you know, a platform with where music is performed, so, you know, I guess I should have just called it a stage. Anyway, um... <laughs> it's, uh... It's getting to be late in the afternoon, and Dart, you would have to be um, getting ready to perform by about 6 p.m., um, and so if you wanted to tune any instruments or do any final check-throughs or anything like that before, um, you know, the the dinner guests and things like that will start to arrive and really fill up the room and, you know, kind of make it a bit unpleasant to try and do everything that you're going to need to do if you would like to. Um, and, uh, Ronnie, you would also be in the bar at this point, I think, uh, setting up, you know, um, cutting various uh, things up to get ready for bar service that night, um, cleaning glasses, um, going in back and opening up box boxes of various liquors and making sure that all of your, um, your draft beers are, like, the kegs are full and things like that, and so, uh, yeah, 
what are you uh, what are you guys up to? First of all, you don't tune an accordion, Tim. I didn't realize <laughs> you. I thought you decided you weren't going to fucking play accordion. <laughs> no, I never. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Wow. Um. But yeah, Dr. Do- Do- Dorothy's questioning what she said about liking jazz music. She's like, I'm going to take that <laughs> one back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Dart will check the microphones, make sure it's not going to be given feedback, anything. Um, this is probably like a kind of a daily routine for him, almost like goes up, checks the sound quick. Uh, and then he'll walk over to the bar. Oh, how you doing, Edgar? Mr. Vandermeek, how's every little thing? Oh, I'm expecting this place to go gangbusters tonight, so... It always does with you around. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that uh, you're working for dips here, man. <laughs> I uh, uh, punch him on the arm a little bit. From across the bar. Hey, I don't just work for tips. I get free tickets to the show, to every single show. You should have been here just the other day. I saw Mickey Bobby dust knuckles with Charlie Cooper in the foyer. You should have been here for that. It was a heck of a thing. They're fighting over a dame. No surprise it's there. But Mickey had him a nice shade of blue. Mickey's nose was blue too, but that was from the liquor. <laughs> Speaking of, what'll you have? Uh, you bash ears a bit, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, give me a whiskey. Sure thing. Hey, did you catch the news the other day? You hear about the uh, the two girls? Oh, yeah, terrible. Terrible shit going down there, isn't it? Well, I just thought it was kind of interesting. You know, they had a guy that they were holding, but they let him go. They found a new guy. I don't know why they don't just investigate them both. That's what I would do. There you go. Hey, maybe I better make that a double. <laughs> uh, depends on how much longer you're planning on talking for. Why don't you go ahead? Nah, double it is. Anyway, I don't know. They found this guy. They thought there was some sort of hijinks. He had these two broads at this place, and uh, apparently they left with nothing but their snowshoes. Can you believe that? Seems a bit cold out for them. <laughs> That's what the news said. I was wondering, did they have the knickers? Maybe they meant they took some snowshoes. Oh. Hey, I gotta change the mental picture in my head. <laughs> uh. It's alright, Edgar. Why don't you hold on to that mental image for as long as you can? <clears throat> you know, I heard another news article that, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't this Peterson guy that killed him. Maybe it was the bear. You know, there's this guy that just shot a big bear. He... Didn't you say that... Sorry, didn't the, the news say... Uh, they died from gunshot wounds, though? You think bears are learning guns? I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> bears are intelligent creatures. Not that I would know. <laughs> I'm from the city. But ever since I come down here, I've seen some bears wandering around in the park. Yeah, maybe that's how the Ruskies beat them, uh... Beat them Germans on the Eastern Front way back when, eh? <laughs> Ooh, I don't envy them none. Bears make me shudder. I don't like the thought of them. Big old claws. Well, I guess bears is a pretty reasonable fear, but, uh... You know, you just put out some bear repellent. Maybe, uh, stock up on some kind of pepper spray or something. They make that? Aha! Uh-huh. It's 1955. I'm sure they make everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you set a scene there, boy. Let me get you another drink. I still got this one going. I'll get you another one. You're going to finish that one, aren't you? I guess eventually, but I don't want to get too liquored up before my show. Well, then I'll take it. I don't mind getting liquored up before your show. A couple of uh, wise guys um, make their way over and sit down at the bar. And you recognize them, Ronnie. Um, I think, Dart, you maybe have seen them around. Um, You guys both know that there's a decent mob presence. It seems like uh, this is a place that some of them might come to lie low or most often to heal. Um, One of the weirdest things about Pembine is that uh, Pembine has a full doctor and um, he does surgery and it's kind of a blessing for the area. Like There are a lot of people that have been injured in ways that probably shouldn't have been able to survive it, but because there is this doctor up here, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, one of the, one of the wise guys actually does have a, uh, large bandage and cast around his right arm, and he'll, uh, kinda set his good hand on the table and tap it and say, uh, 
Hey, give me a whiskey, eh? Hey, sure thing, coming right up. Uh, you want uh, rye or I got some scotch? You know, if it gets me drunk, it gets me drunk. Well, I better give you the cheaper one. You can have more of it. Hey, guy after my own heart. So, uh, what you was talking about here? I was just talking about the girls that got allegedly murdered, but I was thinking maybe they got mauled by a bear, even though there was shotguns involved or some kind of rifle. You think a bear could handle a gun? That's really what we was, the discussion was on the table. Ain't no way no bear gonna handle a gun. Let me tell you about these broads up here, though. They, uh, they find themselves out in the middle of nowhere. It's all over the times, you know? It's a, it's a weird sort of thing. Not something you find in Chicago, you know? Oh, yeah, you know a lot about that, huh? Hey, maybe you bumped them off. I didn't bump nobody off. Nobody hears, at least. <laughs> I didn't think you would tell me anyway. Here's your drinks. Use a weird sort. He'll take a sip of his drink. So, uh, you come for the music or what? Yeah, I came to, you know, me and my buddy Polly here. We're gonna check out the band and uh, see if any broads show up, you know? Hey, you're talking to the man himself. Not the broads, the band. I gesture towards a dart. He'll look over at you, dart, and he'll uh, tip his cap. I'll raise my gl- uh, my glass to them. Well, I don't know that I'd call myself a band so much, but... Uh... Don't sell yourself short. Hey, man's got golden fingers. You should see the crowd he could draw. Every single night, sold out, sold out. Hey, it's a good thing you got here early. Yeah, um... You know, we're gonna go and uh, find a table, uh you know, over there's, and he scoots back, and him and his buddy both grab their drinks. Hey, you better take this with you. I'll slide him the bottle. Hey, thanks, and uh, he'll he'll throw a couple of bucks down onto the bar, and they'll walk over and sit down. Hey, a little trade secret, Vandemeek. You see a couple wise guys like that, you want to get in good quick. That's why I gave him the bottle. I don't think he's gonna pay for it. Well, I mean, he threw a couple bucks down there. That should... I guess maybe not cover cover their costs here, but it'll at least cover the bottle for uh, the upstairs, you know? Not that I think they're going to mind too much. I figure if it's got to come out of my own pocket, it's like paying for my own protection, you know? Eh, not a bad idea, I suppose. Yeah, I call it tipping myself. <laughs> so, uh, when you starting? When's the shindig supposed to take place? Same time, same place, huh? Uh, yeah, six o'clock. You get nervous? Oh, not too bad. I've been doing this for years, though. Yeah. I would get the jitters. Hey, I got a question for you. I mean, I don't want to have a little heart-to-heart, but this is a little bit of a personal question about your past. I was just curious. Is your full name D'Artagnan? Oh, yeah, but no one really calls me that. It doesn't roll off the tongue too well. Plus, there's a couple people, uh, you know, over the seas where I was going, they they kind of struggled with it, called it D'Artagnan, and so I, you know, <laughs> didn't want to throw them off. I get that. I thought that's what it was, first time I read the book. You know, uh, I could use a guy like you, if you know how to sword fight. Uh, do what now? You know, a little sword play, ching ching, just like in the movies, Zorro and all that. Um, no, I don't know how to sword fight, that's... weird to ask even, why? What? The guy in my book did, went by the same name. Three Musketeers, you ever heard of it? I think I've heard of it, but I can't say I've read it. You should take a look. I'm not much for books, but this one had me hooked. And you can see how well your name's represented. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too big on books there myself. Maybe if they make it into a picture show, you know. That's how I'll know it'll be good enough. Hey, I better let you go. Uh, feel good on the drinks? Uh, yeah, why don't you give me one just uh, for in-between sets, you know? Hey, I got something for you. Hold on. I'm gonna go and uh, pull a bottle out. And it's gonna be, um... Just pure, crystal clear, and I'm gonna pour it into his glass and say, You and me, don't tell anybody. What is it, like vodka or something? Between you and me, let's just say this is gonna give your fingers the voice of an angel. It, give my finger the fo- what the f- <laughs> I'm gonna start wiping the bar. <laughs> Alright, then. I pick up my glass and hurry away from him. <laughs> what the fuck's he talking about? Um, a Greyhound bus. Um, it, you can hear the air brakes, uh, hissing as, uh, it comes to a stop in front of the Four Seasons Resort. I'm going to, um, <laughs> I'm going to fold up the paper that I was reading 
and uh, kind of roll it up and place it under my arm as I uh, grab my suitcase and step up to the to the front and walk out. And um, I'm already sighing, looking out the window at like how cold and, and particularly snowy it is, um, being that I rode up from uh, the Chicago area to get up here and over the roughly eight hour bus ride it has gotten progressively and progressively um, colder and snowier than it was down there and um, I'm going to uh, first um, stop to the to the driver and um, kind of give him a little bit of extra um, coin there and be like um, I, I thought you were going to drop me off in town well you know the the roads are getting kind of bad, and uh, I don't want to get stuck there overnight. So, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I think this is gonna have to be the end of the line for you. <sighs> right. Um, thank you for the ride. Anyway, I seem to be your only passenger at this point, and I turn around and look at an empty bus, and uh, I'm like, well, uh, safe travels. And I step out the door and I walk around to the front of the bus where there's a bike rack. And I just sigh again and say, ah, hell. And I, I start to kick and sort of shake at this um, bike that's just covered in snow and ice on there and try to break it free from its, uh, from its clasp there and um, bring it down. And it's so cold the wheels are not able to to move and so I'm just now dragging this bike towards the um, lobby of the hotel okay <laughs> <laughs> you start making your way up and I mean it's a long walk because there's terraced areas with steps and you would imagine that you know in the in the uh, spring summer and fall it's quite beautiful here but right now <laughs> it it sucks. Like you're you're kind of slipping and sliding, trying to get this uh, bicycle up over all of these steps. Like they're cleared off well enough, but not to the point where it's not still incredibly slick. You look out into the parking lot, and there's a decent number of cars here. Like you you would expect that uh, probably a majority are employees, though. Just judging by you know the the fact that this parking lot is maybe 10% full at this point. Um, you do, however, see that there is like a, that there's like a little marquee um, off to the side of this like uh, columned like reception area where the main entrance is. And Dart, what is your band called? Uh... <clears throat> Dart's band is called the Danish Dart. All right. And you would see that uh, on this, you know, kind of marquee board that's lit up, um, it would say, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks um, until a couple more weeks from now um, running that the Danish Dart is playing every night at six. And so, yeah, are you going to head into the lobby then? Yeah, I'm going to head into the lobby and uh, go to the um, the front desk area. Okay. There is a young lady who's working behind the desk, and she'll look up at you, and she'll say, uh, Welcome to the Four Seasons. How can I help you? I would like to have a room if it's uh, no problem. I was supposed to be dropped off in town, but apparently the bus doesn't run there in uh, weather such as this. Alright, uh, single bed then? That'll do nicely, thank you. Alright. That'll be five dollars. Yeah, I, uh, open my briefcase and, um, there's like a, uh, sort of envelope in there that I it's got like some some money sort of um just folded in there and I take some out of it and uh hand it to the hand it to the clerk there and um I ask uh is Nora working tonight oh uh I don't know um she's the 
She's the head housekeeper. Um, so maybe. I'm not sure. It, it's fine. Don't don't bother if you, if you don't know. Um, I, I'm sure I'll see her around. Um, well, uh, thank you anyway. Oh, uh, I need the key. She will uh, go to the backboard and pull a room key off. Let's say two oh one, and hand it to you. All right. Um. Oh, uh, by the way, do you have, like, a, a little convenience store in here that I could, uh, maybe buy some things? I, I wasn't expecting to be here tonight. Oh, yeah. And she'll, uh, point down the hallway, um, the opposite direction from the, uh, from the little bar lounge area that's right off of this lobby. There is also kind of a stairwell going up to the right, but then the hallway leading off to the left. Um, you would, if you continue down it, you would notice that there is, um, a barber pole, like the door is closed and locked and there's no light on behind it, but you would imagine that you could get a haircut here, um, during the daytime. Um, and as you continue down a little bit further, um, there is like a convenience store and there's a... A young man, maybe 22, working um, behind the counter, and there's like a bunch of a bunch of shirts and um, like like mostly just like cotton undershirts. You know, um, there's extra there's like uh, underwear and soap and toothbrushes and you know just your various like sundries and toiletries and things like that. Yeah, after I, 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 like I'll. Um make sure to go and put my my stuff in the room <laughs> and um I, I guess i would just be like um carrying the bike on my shoulder um and it's like dripping all over the hallway <laughs> as it's like starting to melt in here <laughs> um but I'll, I'll secure all that stuff in the room and then like I, before i leave to go downstairs to that little store i i open the envelope again and kind of leaf through how much money is in there and i i sigh again <sighs> man Okay, um, and I just, uh, take a couple dollars out of there and, um, bring it down with me to the store. Okay. And while I'm in there, um, I start, uh, perusing through the things, uh, I I'm guessing I would have kind of, uh, walked past the, um, the restaurant that would be in there? Uh, yeah. Like, what kind of stuff would they have? Um, the restaurant at this point, um, I think that the only place that you can get food right now would be to go to the lounge, um, cause I think the restaurant is probably closed. Oh, okay. It's like eight, eight thirty at night. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And as far as at all, like immediately want to go down there. And so like, I kind of look through the store and I'm like looking in some of the cases and they have like pasties in there and I have no idea what the fuck those are. <laughs> And so I kind of keep on looking around and I find um, some like cans of tuna and I just grab as many as I can and, and just put that on the desk. And um, I say, um, uh, is there anything to, to read here? Books? There's a Bible in every room. Of course there is. Um, thank you. <laughs> and I just pay the, <laughs> the guy the dollar for the cans of tuna. <laughs> And um, I'm going to run those back up to the room and then I'll uh, sulkingly make my way down to the lounge and just like, you know, just ruminating over the just awful day that I've had so far. Okay. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you find yourself uh, making your way into the lounge. Um, you would see up on the stage that... Uh, there are some people playing some jazz and it sounds pretty good. There's um, a couple of waitresses going around taking orders from various tables, but also you can just go up to the bar if you would like to do that as well. Um, there are a couple of seats open. Like, this house is definitely not packed. Yeah, I'll go up to the bar. Okay. And I'll sit, like, uh, probably as far away from anybody else as I can. Ronnie, you've had a new customer uh, walk up to the bar and sit down. You've never seen him before. Afternoon, Frosty. You look like you could use some color in your cheeks. I think I got just a thing for that. 
let's hope so. Uh, I unfold um, a $2 bill and I slide it across the counter and I say, I know it's not much, but I would like as much drunk as I can get with that and still leave yourself enough for an adequate tip. Hmm. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. You like brown or clear? I like it in front of me. Thank you. Oh, I can do that. How about this? And how about that? Very, very nice. Uh, you know, I don't recognize your mug. It doesn't ring a bell. It, it wouldn't. I've never been here before. Uh, oh, stranger in town, huh? What's your name? Elliot. Yours? Oh, Ronnie. But my friends call me Edgar. Oh, uh, is it a mil- middle name issue or? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> would you rather me call you Ronnie or Edgar? I guess that depends. You want to be friends? I'll be friends with anybody who's shelling out two dollars. I kind of look around and I'm like, you know what? Let's be friends. All right. So, uh, what brings you to this place? It's kind of, kind of cold out here. You want the short story or the long story? Uh, I'm going to scan down the bar and see if I got any other new customers waiting for me. I'll take the medium story. Medium story. All right. Uh, I'm from far away and most recently from even farther away. Oh, hold that thought. I, I, I don't listen to a good story without a drink myself. All right. <laughs> oh, of course. Carry on. Yeah. And so uh, from far away and most recently from even farther away. But um, I've come to try to bring my life back together uh, so to speak you know I heard of that place oh, both of them imagine that no just the far away oh yeah I actually come from far away myself does that far away happen to be uh, Cambridge in England no, that's very far away <laughs> <laughs> yeah Brooklyn New York I guess I got New England near me maybe that's the better version and before that it was just uh, Indianapolis and sure you haven't been there see you from across the pond eh um from no just spent some some time there i, I went to, to school at cambridge i'm studying there physics and math interesting never got into myself uh i'm more of a, a drink pour <laughs> well there's an art to that too and i raise my glass to him and take a sip say do you do you happen to know nora Oh, Nora, sure. She's the head housekeeper. Yeah, um, uh, what can you tell me about her? <laughs> Nora, what a peach. But she's up there. I'm down here. Our paths don't cross very often. I don't know if it'd work out. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, funny how th- she has that way with people. It, it, although it's probably more on the other's end. She'd do pretty well down here. There's a lot of fellas that could go for a girl like that. Maybe that's why she doesn't come down. Um, you notice that, like, uh, like, as you're talking about that, you start to hear this, like, um, kind of ticking on the countertop, and you realize that with, um, his offhand, uh, the one not holding the drake, he's kind of, um, tapping a a golden ring on the the countertop there, not even realizing that he's doing it. Yes, sirree, she's got a nice pair of gams, but not as nice as that. Were you a rich fancy man? (laughs) <laughs> I guess I could consider myself fancy rich. No, I've spent way too much uh, in my pursuits yeah. to uh, have acquired much. I thought I caught you in the act. Shelling out $2 bills, saying that's all you got, and then you're bouncing a gold ring on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that really hasn't served me with much utility lately either. Um, but I'm hoping to change that. I kind of give a forced smile to him. Hey, I gotta wait on this customer over here, but, uh, I'll be back if you're here. You can just call for me. Sure thing, Ronnie, Edgar. Oh, hey, you ever, uh, you ever heard of these guys? The, uh, the, the Danish dot? Um, heard of them, no, but, uh, I'm, you know, pleased to see what they got. Yeah, give them a listen. Man's got golden fingers. They got the voice of an angel. All right, thanks. And I raise my glass to him again and start to sip some more and kind of spin around in the seat.
Dr. Dottie. You have this uh, like 15 year old kid, you, he's, his, his ear is in between your two fingers and you are marching him up the front steps of this large blue house on Newberry Avenue in Marinette and you reach up and you pound on the door a few times and this woman with a short black bob uh, answers and she's in her mid 40s and she kind of looks very shocked at first and um, what would you like to say? I'm sorry, are you this Are you this boy's mother? Oh yeah, um, what was Edgar doing? I feel like you should know that Edgar is interfering with the research of an academic. Oh no. Edgar, what did I tell you about going out there and doing all sorts of the like and you, you get yourself inside of here and uh, she grabs onto him and then she sort of looks at him and realizes that like he's got this like furry costume that he's made and she looks even more appalled and um, she like kind of shoves him inside and she says, I'm, I'm so sorry, miss. I'm so sorry. I, I, I thought he was out playing with his friends. And they were and they were interfering with my research in the process. I understand. I, I'm here. I promise you that we'll make sure that he gets a proper punishment when his father gets home. I'll make sure that I tell him exactly what happened here. Okay. Oh, wonderful. We try and keep to ourselves. We're, we're godly folk, you know, we just, I'm, I'm real sorry. It's fine, you know, teenagers will be teenagers. Just, just make sure he doesn't do it again. There's some dangerous stuff out in those woods. She'll nod. Yeah, there's just some dangerous stuff in those woods. I wouldn't want him getting hurt. It's really easy to fall down, especially when you're wearing a getup like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Thank you. No, thank you so much. I, thank you. And she'll uh, pat your shoulder and close the door and you make your way to your, what do you have? Like a, like a 1950 something Chevy or something? Yeah, ish. Not, not old, not, but not new either. Um, okay. So you get into the car and you start the engine and where are you heading? now like what would you what are you up to now that you've uh, figured out who this local bigfoot was that was stealing things from various campsites and uh, messing with a lot of your instruments and trail cams and um, things like that she turns on the engine and then she'll like stop and like pull out a like an old-fashioned stenographer's notepad and flip a few pages in to where the uh where just written on the top is Marinette Bigfoot and then a bunch question mark and then just like a bunch of other random stuff that's like sketches of footprints and stuff like that and she'll just scratch out the whole page and slam it shut and toss it into the passenger seat. <laughs> um, well, it's January 15th. It is really cold today. And so, you know, the... The engine is warm enough that you're you're not freezing inside the cab of this vehicle, but I mean it's uh it's a it's a hell of a day. You'd guess that it's definitely a little bit below zero and the wind is biting. Um and then uh Yeah, where would you like to go? Probably to the university to put this stuff in with like the rest of her file. Okay. So you make your way, um, you make your way to Main Street and you start just traveling down. Um, eventually it gets pretty thoroughly wooded, you know, you're getting towards the uh, outskirts of town and uh, then you take a right onto, I'm sorry, you take a left onto Lake and um, you find yourself uh, right on the lake shore and uh, the university is sort of nestled in the pines there. Um, there's there's a few other cars in the um, in the parking lot, but for the most part, you know, everybody is on um, out and enjoying their um, their Christmas break. You know, you're not going to be doing classes again until February, so you know it's a it's a welcome break for some of the professors, but others are still 
working and um, the building is on and lit and uh, you know the janitors are taking this time to give a good thorough cleaning and you know uh, do all their maintenance and things like that and um, when you get out like the snow is it's where that that snow that gets old and as it starts to get very cold in January it's just crunchy but you don't sink super deep into it because it's just slick it's almost like ice at this point and so you have to be careful making your way in and there's only two buildings and i think your office would be in the main um sort of building that has the auditorium and uh also the modest gym and things like that and so you make your way um down the hallway you take out your key and you put it into the door and why don't you describe to us a little bit what your office looks like? So, Dr. Greenbank's office is pretty, not tidy, but it's, um, it's an organized mess. She's got like, she's got a bookcase that's full on one wall and there's a big, there's a window behind her desk and her desk is just covered in handwritten notes and typewritten stuff and just like all kinds of stuff. And she does have a typewriter. Uh, on one wall is a bulletin board that is covered in blurry photographs, newspaper articles, and some handwritten notes. And yes, they are connected with thumbtacks and red string. <laughs> and uh, she's just got a big cushy office chair and a couple other chairs in front of her desk. And uh, on her desk are some photos, and it's just a nice little office. She's, uh, she's probably considering lighting up one of the smokes she keeps uh, hidden under a panel in her drawer, because at this point there's no smoking laws, it's 1955. Um, she uh, is just kind of digging into her Wisconsin geography book that she has and just making like marks as to where uh, territories for other Bigfoot types might be. And she's like speaking into like a tape recorder or something, just like, yeah, I mean, close to a, close to water, I guess. I, it's just, I don't, I don't know. And she, uh, she looks back at the book and would she, know of any sort of Bigfoot type stuff from around from a little bit farther north well you know that uh, most of the reports that you've seen about uh, about Bigfoot and Yeti and things like that um, that you've read they seem to be pretty docile creatures but further up north from from you in, uh, you know, the Pembine area, um, up towards Norway, um, you know, when crossing into the UP and things like that, like you <coughs> have read reports of people going missing in the winter. While that doesn't necessarily feel Bigfoot related, that does kind of feel like it could be related to well, a multitude of, uh, of legends and things that you've read about in all of your studies. Um, but also it could just be pure coincidence since people do fall and, you know, go through ice and you know what I mean? Like there are incredible dangers of being outdoorsy in the wintertime um, in northern Wisconsin. And so it's kind of up to you if that's something you'd uh, choose to pursue. So she's going to go over, she, she would have these, like, cut out the articles that you sent us, and she's going to go over and be like, and match up the places mentioned in these disappearance articles to the areas around where they are. So probably lands in the Pembine area. And she's going, well, let's see how we can make this tie into what I'm doing as part of the university, so let's see if they can... Okay, and she's going to go into, like, her bit of uh, the book about uh, the cryptids of Wisconsin and like the Midwest 
She's going to go into that book and match up everything that is associated with kidnapping people or like, or taking people without a trace and specifically those that are found in that area up around the UP, up around that type of thing. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and have you roll intelligence, and this will be like the deep where you're trying to roll a d20 and get under your score. Okay. That's a fail. First roll. All right. That's a fail. <laughs> um... You spend some time looking through your books and you're having a hard time coming up with anything that makes you feel like uh, like it fits, you know? There's there's malevolent spirits that kind of sound along that uh, along that uh, lines like the the Baycock or the um, or the Paguk, which are again sort of like demonic spirits that uh, can inhabit um, nature or also sometimes appear as like these um, these sort of like either draconic like creatures or you know large lizard or bestial type things Um, but it again doesn't seem super fitting because you don't have um, you don't have any bodies left behind and normally with these demonic spirits, the point is to intimidate, and so like to hide the bodies away somewhere and to be mysterious like this instead of being brazen doesn't fit so well, but it's also the only thing that you can come up with. As she's doing this, she is not noticing time passing, so she's like she's still going through all this stuff and she doesn't realize until she's until it's like pitch black outside that she's still here i think that uh after i think that it once you notice it's pitch black you hear a knock on the door and it's ted he's one of the janitors and he'll say uh hey there about uh about to lock up uh you heading out or you want me to leave a couple lights on I should, uh, I should actually, uh, be heading out, uh, yeah, I don't want to try to drive home too late, even though it is already pretty late. Uh, thanks, thanks for, thanks for pointing this out, Ted. Oh, no problem. Yeah, it's like 6.30 at this point, it's just dark as fuck. Okay, and given where we are, she's like, yeah, I don't want to try to pick my way back to Marinette in, uh, in this weather. Um, so you, you live in Marinette proper then? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, if you're going to stay there for the night, then I will probably cut back to our friends at the bar. I think at this point, um, everything's winding down. Like, it's pretty late. Um, Elliot, you can still be at the bar if you want, but most people have cleared out. Um, Dart, you can still be playing a little bit if you want, or you can be done and just kind of bullshitting at the bar or whatever you want to be doing, I guess, at this point. Uh, I think uh, Dart finishes up his, his song and says, Hey, thanks for coming out, everybody. We're the Danish Dart. The band's gonna be playing a little bit of background music for you for the next uh, half hour or so. And uh, anyone who wants an autograph or a record, come see me at the bar. <laughs> I'll raise the last of the glass that Ronnie gave me uh, of the clear liquid and uh, tip it back and <sighs> strike up the band to start playing the last little jams and make my way over to the bar. Hey, Vandermeek. Come over here. <sighs> hey. How you doing, Edgar? I got a fellow for you to meet. Check this guy out. Came in from the snow. Had to warm him up. Oh. Hey, he comes from across the pond. Oh, really? Well, howdy do, stranger. Uh, nice to meet you. And I, I stand up to greet him and extend my hand. Elliot. I shake his hand. Uh, name's Dart. Dart, this man on the side right there. 
Uh, Dart, I, I see. I heard you playing there. I, I've listened to jazz quite a bit, never quite heard it on a accordion before. It's uh, quite interesting. Oh, for sure. It's all about freeform freestyle. You know, they say there's only three things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, and music. And uh, when you get down to it, you know, whether it's accordion or guitar or just singing, you know, music's all about the soul, you know? Yeah, so they say. Here, let me buy you a drink, okay? Speaking of, I guess that, uh, I guess that magic potion worked for you, huh? <laughs> oh, me? Uh, I, I thought you might have meant the potion to warm uh, Elliot up here. No, I didn't uh, give him one. Hey, maybe he, I should. Well, he's got quite a warm reception, I gotta say. You know, you'd be good in uh, maybe being a front man or a public speaker or some sort. What kind of work do you do, Elliot? Work? Um, well... Uh, it, it... For the last uh, long period of my life, it's been leading up to, to work. Uh, still still waiting to find that, that thing that actually starts to... Uh, make money come in rather than go out. Um, I've been studying in Cambridge. Oh, Cambridge. Out in London, right? Or thereabouts? Thereabouts, yeah. I went there once. With the band, of course. <laughs> really? Yeah, they weren't a big fan of the jazz, I gotta say. Are you sure it wasn't the accordion? <laughs> it was definitely the jazz, you know? Yeah, I think I think they're just a little bit too uptight for it, you know. They're stuck in their uh, they're still a little bit too stuck up in rock and roll, I think. All right, take a swig of this. And okay. uh, don't tell anybody I gave you this. I don't think it's legally supposed to be sold here. It doesn't have a label. I got it from a gentleman. Seems like he was from the boonies. Hey, it's not prohibition anymore. After hearing that it's, like, uh, from the boonies, I'd make sure to smell it before I drink it, and, um, it definitely burns my nose hairs quite a bit, but, uh, I just take a deep breath and drink it anyway. If he gives me any more, I might use it to clean the bar. <laughs> yeah, as I drink it, I'm, like, doing one of those... <laughs> <laughs> well. So, Elliot, what brings you to town? Um, trying to... Reestablish old connections, I guess. Uh, kind of let something get away from me and trying to get it back. Well, you don't seem uh, old enough to have too many uh, misconnections in your life, but uh, definitely wish you the best of luck there, mate. I think I know the real reason he's here. Uh, do go on. <laughs> he was asking me about the head housekeeper. I think he's got the hots for her. But I mean, you take one look at her. Who could blame him? I kind of look away as he um, says that. Which one is the housekeeper again? You know, Nora. Well, she doesn't come down here that often. Maybe you haven't seen her. Nora, no. Oh, I think she came to the to the first show. Yeah. Ah, so is you the scatter off? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. We had a, a short talk. She seemed nice. Uh, but she left not too long after the set, I don't think. I think she's just not much into the squeeze organ. The patio doors burst open from the wind and this incredibly cold draft starts blowing through the room along with a bunch of snowflakes and uh, I mean it's incredibly cold and it's just a rush and I think that some of you are a little bit sobered up by it and um, it's just blowing um, and the curtains are, you know, blowing around it and then one of the um, patrons kind of that's close to it walks up and forces it back closed and then kind of looks at all of you guys like, that was weird. You came to get away from the cold and the cold came to you. You got a real streak of bad luck going, don't you, Elliot? (laughs) I clap him on the back. Yeah, when you clap me on the back, I do one of those (laughs) not, not expecting it. You know, I've been here a year and never seen the doors do that before. Maybe somebody didn't latch it properly, but I think that maybe this might be one of the worst winters I've ever seen since last year. <laughs> I think that uh, at this point, uh, everything's starting to shut down, and I think, Ronnie, you need to, you know, yell out last call for everybody. All right, you cheesers. Last call for drinks. Come on up. Yeah, people kind of amble uh, up and 
make their way to the coat room and get their jackets from the person that they checked them from or the people that are staying here kind of start staggering their way up towards their rooms and the band is putting away all of the things that they're you know gonna want to put away um but they're gonna leave you know the drum set and other things like that since they're gonna be back here playing again tomorrow night hey teddy you gotta close your tab actually you gotta close last night's tab he kind of laughs at you and uh walks over and staggers up and slaps some money down and uh you notice that it's a $20 bill and probably a little bit too much. Uh, hey, Teddy, uh, this is also paying for tomorrow's tab, probably. Hey, you gonna make it home all right? Oh, yeah, no problem. And, uh, he'll stagger his way out, um... Hey, Teddy! Yeah? Other way. Oh, yeah! <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll, uh stagger his way out the right way this time. You know, they found him in the park the other night. Yeah, as he's uh, closing out those tabs, um, I'm going to wander over to those uh, doors that um, had burst open, and I want to kind of check them out, like um, fiddle with the knobs and, and look at the the bolts on them and, and stuff like that to see why that would have, you know, happened just from the wind. Um, Go ahead and roll me wisdom. All right. Okay, what if it meets? Because I have a five in wisdom, and I rolled a five. Uh, if it meets, it beats. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're, you know, uh, looking at all of the various mechanical parts of this. You go over the hinges, you look at the latch. Um, I mean, yeah, you get, you know, some, uh, some contraction in the winter, and so there's a bit of a gap, like you can hear the slight whistle, but I mean, it's not as though the latch isn't isn't making a good contact, even though the you know the doors are a bit smaller than they normally would be in, say, the summer. Um, all of the latches seem fine. Um, all of the hinges are fine, if maybe in need of a little bit of oil, but nothing seems to be wrong. And both of the handles are the levers that would go down um, and, you know, rotate towards the um, the the joint where they meet in the, in the door. Um, and again, you know, a, a little bit loose from wear and tear, but not, not to the point where it should have just burst open from even high wind. Yeah, like, I, I fiddle with it for, um, for kind of a, f- a few minutes. Like, I'm kind of trying to find the the point at which the the bolt will like spring into the the sort of I don't know what the part's called that it goes into where it like won't open after that, but I'm trying to like find like how sort of uh, wide that resting point is, and um, and I'm you know seeing that like yeah, there's no way this door should have from a closed position been able to just like burst open like that without the the handle being twist twisted and um you study doors over there in cambridge frosty um no but uh it's just a curiosity of mine uh it's uh quite a an odd thing that just happened um you know there, there's plenty of things that aren't explainable and uh <laughs> could be one of those random quantum occurrences <laughs> and i i say that like expecting them to like get the sort of joke that I'm used to making in, in Cambridge with other like theoretical physics majors and stuff and um, I'm assuming that nobody would sort of get why I'm laughing and, and, and all that Quantum Never heard of that drink <laughs> Oh uh, uh, Pardon me um, So uh, we're all settled up, correct? Sure thing Okay, um... Uh, and that mystery juice was on the house. <laughs> well, thank you, um... I'll just say Teddy covered your tab for that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't really. That's stealing. I don't do that. Yeah, uh... <laughs> after just a, a shot of that, I, I'll... I'm surprised I'm not on the house right now. Uh, that's... Quite a strong drink. Um, hey, that's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> thank you. You staying here long? Um... Possibly only for the the night. I, I didn't expect to even 
be here right now, but um, uh, I'll, I'll be around. Uh, you should stick around. You know, call it a vacation. Yeah, come to a couple more shows. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll meet each other's acquaintance again. Yeah, visit your two friends down in the lounge. At this point, you are the only three that are left in this room. And, Elliot, as you get up from the bar, again, this door bursts open and this cold wind starts to flow and howl throughout the room. And all of you roll me wisdom, please. Oh, nice. I rolled a four that time, so I I got that one again. Which is crazy, because my wisdom is only five. This will be the only time in the game where... Fail. I pass. Okay, so Dart and Elliot, you both hear the sound of footsteps crunching through the snow. But you see nothing. Yeah, when that door bursts open, um, like, I immediately look over towards, uh... Dart, who I assume, like, had just seen the same thing, and I'm, like, looking for, like, sort of, uh, like, mutual acknowledgement of this actually going on. Dart has a really confused look on his face when Elliot looks over and then, like, starts to run over to, uh, close the doors when he hears those footsteps. Yeah, and I, I run over at the same time, yeah. And, um, you said we hear crunching in the snow? Yeah. As you're both uh, forcing against this wind, like, you actually have to put your body behind it. And you finally get the doors to latch. And you see these small handprints. No bigger than the size of a toddler's, maybe an infant. Like, it's very small. But there's a few of them that are just appearing in the frost, sort of melting it and creating these handprints but there's nothing on the other side of the glass. I'm going to take my belt off and wrap it around the two door handles and, like, belt the door together. Yeah, I'm transfixed on these handprints. Like, I, I, there's nothing that I've studied that, like, makes me understand how that could have happened, like, even with all sorts of the variables and, and, you know, the wind pattern and the, the eddies that would form and, and you know, wave cancellations from the, the way that the, the wind was bursting in or anything. Like, that's incredibly peculiar to me. You watch as these hands climb higher. When I see them climb higher, I um, immediately sort of double back and almost fall, o- fall over my own legs, like onto my ass. And I'm sort of backing up on my hands. Take it easy there, fella. You guys look like you've seen a spook. When they get up to the top, you see the doors rattle a little bit, and then they rattle harder, and then the glass just bursts forward, and it showers all over Dart and Elliot, and it's this loud sort of howling scream that echoes throughout this room, and then it gets eerily quiet, and the wind dies down, and the snow stops, and you hear the footsteps again, but they sound like they're getting further away, crunching through the snow. Hey, um, what, what was that you were saying about it? Uh, quantum appearances there? Fellas, if this is some sort of gag, I don't think I like the joke. Yeah, like, um, I, like, they're talking, but it's just not registering to me. I'm, I'm just, like, totally eyes fixed on the door. And then, like, I, I have to, after a second, um, take my, my glasses off and, and wipe them on my shirt because they've, you know, fogged up after getting cold and then the the warmth of the room, like, you know, fogging them up again. I, I start to pull Elliot back, at least towards the bar. Hey, 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 come on, come on. We we should not stay here. This right here. We need to. You saw you saw that too, right? You saw it. The the hands. The the. Oh, I saw the hand. Um. Yeah. Uh. The fuck was that? I'm gonna go behind the bar and kind of shakily pick up um. Just a just a forty five from 
the back. Hey, fellas, uh, maybe we should call it a night, huh? Yeah, like, I, I don't even, like, turn to actually say anything to him. I, I just sort of walk around, like, turn around and, and start to, like, hastily go up to my room. Before that, it was just uh, Indianapolis. I'm sure you haven't been there. Anyways, uh, so you're from a co- so you're from across the. F- I can't. So you're from a cot. I can't say that fast. So you're from a. Co- <laughs> <laughs> so you're a cop. That's why I, I did not drink this session because I knew I would start slurring. <clears throat> so you're from across the pond, eh? And I. Uh raise the last of the clear glass that Reggie gave me. Reggie? Ronnie gave me. (laughs) 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 That not Edgar gave me. (laughs) Uh, Dart, I I see. I heard you playing there. Um... I've listened to jazz quite a bit. Never quite heard it on uh, accordion before. It's, uh, God damn it! <laughs> quite interesting. I hate you so much. <laughs> How the hell am I going to do I this? I thought he said that show. on recording before. Ah <laughs> oh, boy! Didn't he? Didn't he already say that as we were recording? Yeah, but we didn't take him seriously. I took me seriously. <laughs> I hate you so much, Eric. Oh, it's an untapped market, I gotta say. Like, <laughs> you so fucking much. A year or two more, we're gonna be made in the shade, I gotta tell ya. I'm fucking erasing all of this shit. <laughs> so, guess- uh, tell me, does uh, the theory translate over very well into that instrument? Are you sure it wasn't the accordion? Definitely the jazz, you know. I think, I think they're just a little bit too uptight for it. You know, they're stuck in their. Uh... Were the Beatles around in the fifties? No. No. <laughs> Elvis. Babs probably late fifties. You'd say Marilyn Monroe. She's not a singer. Uh, she sang "Happy Birthday" to the president. <laughs> and diamonds are a girl's best friend. Don't do her like that. Uh. Uh, they're still a little bit too stuck up in rock and roll, I think. They gotta get into the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he'll uh, stagger his way out the right way this time. You know, they as found him in the park um, the other night. You know, they uh, found him in the he... park the other night. God damn it. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as he's uh, closing out those tabs, um, I'm gonna... 
Thanks for joining us here at Time to Die Podcast Network for our first episode of The Devil's Antlers. If you didn't know, we have many actual play shows produced in this style with voice acting, sound effects, and original music, and you can find them all at timetodierpg.com. The ukulele outro music was Crazy Words, Crazy Tune, performed by the marvelous Charlotte Pelgin. Find more of her music at charlottepelgin.com, instagram.com slash charlottepelgin, or search for Charlotte Pelgin on YouTube. Social media links for our cast members are listed in the description of each of these episodes, as well as the link to our Discord server where we all hang out. Speaking of, the Discord's also a good place to come chat with us about the show. <laughs> our players were Tim Demuse, Chris Riley, Aubrey Gray, Eric Pat, and I'm Brian Bridges. If you like the show, the best way for us to grow is if you share it on social media or with your friends, not to mention leaving reviews for us if you'd like. If you want to support our efforts financially, you can pledge any amount at patreon.com slash timetodierpg or make one-time donations at ko-fi.com slash timetodierpg. And you can also buy merchandise at sonerdware.com slash timetodie. If you buy our merch, you can use this discount code at checkout, time to die, and receive 10% off your entire order. Nice! Links for everything that I've just mentioned are in the description of this episode. That's all for now. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of The Devil's Antlers. <laughs> <laughs>